You know those people in life that you come across and they just for some reason sum up time, a place, a feeling or just something. Well, this week's guest Andre King is that person for me. He sums up the pursuit of trying. You know, trying new things is often encouraged, but it's actually really, really hard to do. Firstly, you have to be okay with the fact that you'll most likely fail at the new thing you are trying. And more often than not, you will come away questioning why you decided to try it at all. It's so strange to think about. And if we stay on this point, we should really look closer in at why we are attracted to trying new things. Simply because they are hard. Maybe that's the answer. It's like the deepest of deep for us to go after things that are too big, too hard, where the stats against us, but we try anyway. Rocky, Frodo, David and Goliath, story after story of the pursuit of trying, without any guarantees of coming anywhere close to winning. Maybe that's why it makes it so sweet when our favourite characters get the win. Sweet. But what does all this have to do with this week's podcast guest, Andre King? Well, everything and nothing, to be honest. You see, Andre takes on jobs that are too big all the time. He dares to look into the future, where the stats are against him, but he goes forward anyway. I'm not sure why Andre's like this. I've had heaps of conversations with him over the years. I guess he just has this bravery within. Even though he knows the stats are against him, he goes for it anyway. Before we get into the episode, enjoy the audio version of this podcast, my television podcast that plays every Sunday night at 11pm on Oriana TV. That's channel 200 on Freeview, or you can watch it live on the internet by going to audianatv.com forward slash live. Enjoy this week's podcast and thank you all for blowing my mind. There's a certain amount of success that you can sort of suck from the marrow of life just by outlasting everyone else. I love that. I love that. Because that is actually fair. If you're willing to put up with it for long yeah. enough, then you should deserve some... Yeah. And of course, the, the other thing is the longer you're in it, the more you learn, the more you learn, the better you get, the better you get, the longer you're in it. So it becomes this uh, sort of cyclical thing of, uh, you know, success brings more success. Andre King, you're joining me again. You must be one of the, the uh, well, you're, you're definitely a repeat customer on this podcast. You pop up from time to time through the journey. Um, Andre, for those who don't know you, please describe yourself so I don't have to attempt to. Uh, human, male. Um, <laughs> entertainer. Um, the uh, traveler of the, of the world. Traveler of the mind. Occasionally. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all about mind expansion and, uh, and whatever we can do to sort of free ourselves from the fetters of individual and, uh, see us more as one. Um, 
Andre, I this podcast in this format on, on audio and TV has been interesting for me because it's asked me to look far back into, I guess, my ancestry, you know, being half Kiwi, half Cook Island, and also to be like, what was the reason people in the early days, you know, navigated into the unknown? You know, I, I guess the reason was to... The, the pursuit of finding or, you know, exploration. Um, and it gets confusing for me in today's society because I, I think it's still that case, right? You've got to keep moving, you've got to keep moving forward, you have to keep adapting, except we don't act that way. We act like once you've got a house and a stable job, you've, like, reached the end of, you've finished the game. Uh, it, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. Okay, good. Then we're on the right. We're on the right path. We're on the no, right path. No, because uh, I, I, I kind of, I kind of know what you're talking about. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, in 2010, I immigrated to the UK. Uh, was working as a comedian, and then by 2012, I thought, you know what, I've, I've hit the pinnacle hmm. of uh, of what I'm doing in my career, uh, and then I went and did a show in Jakarta uh, and there was uh, Bill Bailey and uh, Glenn Will and uh, Phil Nickel uh, they were all on there and I went and watched these guys and I went I know nothing right I know absolutely nothing because these guys are all amazing Mm. and uh, it it sort of it revealed to me in this particular line of work that I I had embarked upon that uh, no matter how long you do it there's, there's still ample opportunity for you to learn and to progress further than what you ever thought was possible. Now, um, I've subsequently come to understand that that is applicable to all of us across any platform you care to sort of apply it to, whether you want to look at it in, fam- uh, in family, uh, in employment, in relationships between um, yourself and and anyone else, you know, there's there's always something more that you can do. Well, and, then, okay, okay, but what do you do with that? What do you do with that? Because that's a very that seems to me an extremely scary place to be. Because am I not wrong in what you're saying that you have to be open to consistently being ready for change, to be ready to adapt, to be ready to evolve? But everything has changed. Yeah, uh, but whether you want to admit it or not, right, everything right, right, changes. Right. But we don't no, want no to admit it. No day is exactly the same. No, no yes. day is exactly the same. The cells mm. that are in your body now are not the cells that were that were there when you were two. Mm. Yeah, you know, we 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 replace every single cell in our body uh, over a period of about seven years. True. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I just said true, but I don't know. I am just trusting you, but. Science backs you up, so that's good. But, but, well, I, I mean, I read it. I, did, I didn't <laughs> conduct the study myself. <laughs> but I, I mean, yes, there, it's it's so much easier to become complacent um, and settle for what you've achieved so far. Yes, but then eventually boredom's going to kick in, mm. and then you start to question, well. 
you know, I've, I've done everything that I thought I was supposed to do. Why don't I feel happy? Yes, yes. Well, it's one of the things that I've been trying to focus on is less of the destination, which is a real trap you can fall into. You know, where what will it be like when I have, you know, A, B, and C? And more focusing on, and this gets really cheesy for me, but I'm a pretty cheesy guy, trying to acknowledge and get the dopamine hit from the journey, right? Like making the time for us to talk is I'm trying to reward myself for that because it's something worthy of reward. But why I push a little bit hard at the moment is trying to articulate because I don't think that many people do articulate actually why we should um, give ourselves a thumbs up for this moment. Why not pursue? you know, follow the pursuit of you're going to be an international, whatever, you know, I'm going to be this and that everyone else is going to have the amazing life. If we just give it up for the short term. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, it's it's confusing. I guess is what I'm saying. I think for me personally, um, my grandfather led a phenomenal life. Hmm phenomenal life and I didn't find anything out about it until I was 24. Right. You know, when he died, Mm. um, he ran away from home at 14 with a, uh, with his brother's birth certificate, which he doctored, joined the army so that he could be involved in world war two lasted three months in the New Zealand army before he was dishonorably discharged for striking an officer. Uh, so he went and joined the Navy, lasted three months in the New Zealand Navy before he was dishonorably discharged for striking an officer. So then he went over to Australia, joined the Australian Navy, lasted two weeks before he was dishonorably discharged for striking an officer. And on his way out the door, um, his uh, camp commandant said to him, uh, you know, what's, uh, the, the way, at the rate you're going, um, you're going to run out of allies to fight with. And the only way you're going to be involved in this war is if you go and fight for the Nazis. And quite frankly, you'd be doing us all a favor if you did. <laughs> so he pulled his head in and he ended up joining the, um, the English Navy, saw out the war with them. He was in the Sea of Japan when uh, Hiroshima went up. He was at the fall of Hong Kong. He joined the Malaysian constabulary after the war, became a gun runner and a smuggler, um, got caught, uh, had to escape, changed his name, joined the Merchant Marines, sailed around the world for a couple of years, had an international arrest warrant out for him, um, and uh, then he changed his name again, um, bought a Woolworths franchise, uh, came back to New Zealand, started New Zealand's first Woolworths. Whoa. That's quite uh, a journey. He'd done all of this. Bearing in mind that he left, he left home when he was fourteen. He'd done all of this by the time he was my age when I found this out. Hmm. And when I found that out, I, I, I sort of thought to myself, "He's done all of this stuff by the time he was my age. What have I done with my life?" And I sort of looked back and I thought, "Well, I, I finished school." And well, that's that's about it, really. There's <laughs> no other points of note. So um, that inspired me to 
just go out and do all the weird, crazy stuff that no one else really gets to do. Okay, well, let's, on that moment, take a break. And when we come back, can we start with where it begins? Sure. The weird and crazy right after this break with Andre King. (laughs) Hey team, just a short little hello from me during the ad break here. I want to give a quick plug to my Patreon page. It's the page where people who like the podcast can donate 10 bucks a month. And that goes towards me podcasting. That goes towards us blowing our minds, whatever that means. What you get when you donate is a little shout out on the podcast and this is exactly what this is. So I'd like to thank the Patreons who support Please Blow My Mind. We've got Daniel, we've got Chris and we've got James. You guys blow my mind, you guys know who you are and you are acknowledged in this podcast. Daniel, Chris, James, thank you team for blowing my mind. Okay, let's get back to the podcast with Andre King. Okay, Andre, let's go back. Uh, Look, grandfather goes out, lives a life. You don't find out about it until you're the same age as when he's done all of these things. Mm -hmm. Is this a a please blow my mind moment where you are saying to yourself, I've got a life to live? Yes, 100%. And are you... Ironically, at his funeral, I'm saying this. Oh, wow. Wow, so you're cognizant of this exact moment and what do you remember exactly what you're feeling? Yeah. That I, I, I was letting the team down. Wow. My, my grandfather had led this amazing life and here I was just squandering the opportunity I had working a nine to five job. Uh, It wasn't a particularly good job. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. Mm. Um, There wasn't, a lot going on for me at that point. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a wake up moment. Now, can we just preface something before you take us down this journey? Because here's the bit I think gets a bit misinterpreted. Just because you're going off on this voyage, if you like, mm. there's still no guarantees you get anywhere, right? It's the pursuit of trying. Sure. There's, there's never any guarantee that, you know, you'll, well, is there a guarantee? I guess there's no, like, there's nothing written. Mm. Uh, there's no <laughs> there's no legal contract that says if you do this and you work hard enough, you're going to achieve it because that doesn't happen. Mm. But um, what I have discovered is stickability, man. Stickability. Just you define that for me. Um so to succeed in comedy, right, as a comedian, you you do not have to be the funniest person in the world, right? You, when I started, I most certainly was not the funniest person uh, who started the same year that I started. Um, however, of all of the people who started at the same time that I started, I'm the only one left. And in fact, I'm pretty sure that I'm the only one left of all of the people who started the year after me as well. Um, so, you know, as, as you move through time, uh, people sort of begin to recognize who you are because they've heard about you and they've possibly seen you. Uh, and then all of a sudden 
you're the only person left. So yeah. you're the one that they call to go and do the gig. <laughs> yeah, so there's a there's a certain amount of success that you can sort of suck from the marrow of life just by outlasting everyone else. I love that. I love that because that is actually fair. If you're willing to put up with it for long yeah. enough, then you should deserve some. Yeah. And of course the, the other thing is the longer you're in it, the more you learn, the more you learn, the better you get, the better mm. you get, the longer you're in it. So it becomes this uh, sort of cyclical thing of, uh, you know, success breeds more success. But how important is the initial direction? How important is that? And I guess I'm relating it to, you know, at the beginning talking about the early navigators, you know, particularly from the Pacific where uh, well, for me, I, I would believe it took huge courage to go off without, you know, much apart from trusting that you'll know what to do. Who are you talking about though? Are you talking about Maui or are you talking about Kupe? Uh, I'm not talking about any one thing specific. I'm talking about the metaphor itself of right. tra- traveling into the unknown. Hmm. See, I'm, I'm not entirely 100% sure that it was all that unknown. Hmm. Realistically. Okay. Like Kupe, as far as I was aware, was the first person who discovered New Zealand. Um, and then, of course, he went back to the Cook Islands, and then Maui went back down. But he kind of had Kupe's knowledge, right, to to guide him. So, yeah. You know, but still, he could have lied. <laughs> he could have just made it all up. So there's still that chance that you're setting sail, just going, "Well, Kupe said it was this way." Oh boy, I hope he wasn't telling Tekka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I well, hope he wasn't some tussy teller. Yeah, you yeah. know, we all uh, were partying before the internet and stuff like that. So there was always those. You just head down the road, turn left, first right, and it's somewhere at the third tree. Yeah. Cut the and third tree along, you'll see the lights. <laughs> and it works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, more often than not. Mm. <laughs> but, but, yeah, there, there is a certain amount of courage that, that you one has to find within themselves in order to pursue mm. um, a, a, any goal, really. Um, and I think, I think ultimately tenacity uh, will see you through the tough times. Um. Look, just because I'm me, just define what you mean by tenacity. Because I'm only following it because I don't want it to be like assumed, like, I know what you mean, bro. What do you mean? Um, Resilience. Mm. Tenacity. Yeah. Whatever course you choose, whether it's um, jumping into a walker and paddling off into the horizon, or in my case, becoming a stand-up comic and pursuing that career for 20 odd years, uh, stick with it, stick with it. And, and good things come to those who wait, man. I noticed that before or in the last segment, I said, we're going to talk about that journey and we didn't, I took you down another road. We'll go to another break. This is like me holding the audience, but <laughs> let's get into, let's go the chronological order. Cause in my mind now, Everything before 24, hmm, yeah, we'll go. Because after 24, that was your grandfather's funeral, that's right. And then you pursued stand-up? Not immediately, no. Hmm. 
so there was a what what was there an exit strategy out of a certain amount of things that you were doing uh well uh i had um i had become a, a prize fighter or a martial artist uh i had secured the new zealand super heavyweight muay thai kickboxing championship at that point by dint of the fact that i was the only it was very early on in the game and i was I was almost the only one in my weight class and there were heavyweight fighters that weren't heavy enough to come up to the super heavyweight. So, you know, when, when I started doing it, it was just basically me. Um, uh, and anyway, I, I joined the army at that point, um, had gotten injured and had come out and that's when granddad passed. And it's like, well, you know, what have I done really? Okay, stay with us, team. We're gonna uh, we're gonna rejoin Andre straight after this. Okay, team. Just a super short little conversation here about breathing. As many of you know, I'm breathing has become this passion in my life. So much so that I've studied breathing. I've now started a business called Manava Breathing. So Manava being the Cook Island word for the lungs or the core. And Manava Breathing is based around the core, so it starts in our belly, our diaphragm, and it's supported by the nasal breathing, the slow nasal breathing deep into the belly. When we do this, it is just amazing. We get better oxygen, better blood flow, lower blood pressure, simply by slowing our breathing and breathing deeper it's something like a more efficient vehicle you know you can have if you don't change your oil if you don't you know maybe it's if you don't pump up your tires you're going to be slower and and clogged up when we breathe better we think better and when we think better we are able to make better decisions and this is the bedrock of manava breathing so what i'd like to invite you along in the after the podcast is a guided breathing session with myself and you where I will talk through some strategies for slower nasal breathing thank you all for joining me on this podcast and you know thank you for being open to the Manava experience it's very important for me that we we can talk and do all this cool stuff but we've got to breathe better as well okay let's get back to the podcast and we'll see you after the podcast for some guided Manava breathing where does it begin where where does I mean, are all these locked in your head? Like, uh, do you see them all clearly each step of the way? Do you see your whole journey clearly each step of the way? I'm, I'm fascinated with how your mind works. Uh, there are large portions of my life that I've just kind of jammed into a drawer and go, <laughs> I'll come back to you later. Yeah. Um, but the key, the key elements stick out. Yeah. So, uh, I think the first thing that I did after the granddad passed was, uh, I became a processor, which was, uh, what? around oh, a process, process server. Yeah. I don't know what that um, is. That's, that's a good thing that you don't know what that is. Okay. Um, a process server is someone who serves court documents. Oh, Right, like, Mr. Fleming, you've been served. Yes. 
Oof. Exactly right. Right. So absolutely no one likes to see you. No. <laughs> no one no one wanted to see me on the doorstep. Um, and working as a process server, I was working for a private investigator. And the private investigator kind of took me under his wing and taught me all about private investigation as well as process serving. Um, started giving me a basis in law, uh, a, a sort of at least an understanding of uh, contracts um, uh, and uh, family law, contract law, you know, torts, all that sort of stuff. And then because of what he taught me, I was then able to get a job working for a debt collection agency, uh, which again, further expanded my knowledge of, uh, of law, um, but also then brought in credit control. And then from the credit control side of things, I then got into uh, Tyco um, and Armaguard, which is Fortune 500 company. They were all ISO 9002 rated. So that increased sort of my skill base and knowledge with that again. Um, I then moved over to, from there to Carter Holt Harvey and from Carter Holt Harvey uh, into my, well, into another investigation agency, only this time I was running it. Um, and then after I think a year and a half, two years with uh, working for someone else, I ended up setting up my own investigation agency, which we ran for, I think, five years. And uh, at the time, we had between 60 and 70 contractors working for us. Uh, we had an annual turnover of around five and a half, six million dollars. Whoa! And uh, yeah, we were arguably the uh, the top investigations agency in the country. Okay, so that how still how does that get to stand up? Well, uh, while I was out one night, I um, called. Her, I went around to a friend's place. She was having a party, and she introduced me to uh, this guy who was a comic. Um, and uh, he said he'd been a magician. And I said, oh, I'm sort of a magician as well. Um, having my my grandfather, uh, when I was a kid, used to show me magic tricks. Mm. Uh, so when I had kids, I wanted to show my kids magic tricks and give them a sense of magic and wonder in the world, the same as I had growing up. So uh, when I met this guy, Vaughn, um, and it turned out that he was a magician as well, and he'd given that away to pursue stand-up comedy. Uh, we clicked. We got on like a house on fire, and he said, you and I, we should do something. And then there was another guy called Jeff, and he said, yeah, we should all do something. And I'm like, who's this guy? And he's like, oh, he's my mate. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we ended up doing a, um, a sketch comedy troupe, uh, which we named LMAO. Because uh, back then, sort of chatting. It was all done through ICQ and MSN Messenger. Mm. And LMAO was a, a new thing back then, mm. uh, for chat acronym for laughing my ass off. Uh, we did three shows. We got great responses. Uh, and then Vaughn quit. Uh, <laughs> right. Under the, yeah, he said he didn't want to become famous as part of a troupe. He'd been working as a solo stand-up. Uh, so he wanted to go and pursue that. He'd spent mm. two years towards being a solo stand-up, so he wanted to go and pursue that. So I said, great, well, you know, I have this great job you know, running my own company. Uh, 
uh, I have no desire to be a stand-up comic. Uh, and this other guy, Jeff, said, well, I'm going to go and be a stand-up comic. Uh, so six months go by. I'm ghostwriting jokes for Vaughan, sending them off to him, and he's sort of sending them back to me going, you should really be the one performing this. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to be a stand-up comic. Um, and then I heard through the grapevine that uh, Jeff had uh, made it into the Raw Comedy Quest finals for 2003, I think it was. And uh, he started giving it all of that, talking about the comedy troupe and how um, they had cut dead wood from the act. Uh, and that's why Vaughan was still pursuing his career and that's why he was working as a solo stand-up and that's why I was no longer in the industry, Um, which I thought was a bit raw considering that he was there based entirely on material that we'd written. Vaughan and I had written for the comedy troupe. He'd taken and used that to get into the Raw Comedy Quest finals. So I kind of got into comedy out of spite. Right. Because I had all this material that I'd written and thought, well, yeah, fine, I'll go and do it. So, yeah, I went and did the – I made it into the finals. But then with the second performance that I had, um, the producers from Pulp Comedy were there and they came down and said, we want you on Pulp Comedy. And I'm like, okay. So uh, they put me on Pulp Comedy in 2003. I was on with Flood of the Concords and um, Taika. Tokyo mm. Waititi. Uh, and yeah, got my first professional gig. I think it paid like 1700 bucks, which was enough at that point to recarpet my house. <laughs> um, and uh, I went back to the classic to continue and go and perform in the Royal Comedy Quest mm-hmm. to be told, oh, the Royal Comedy Quest is for amateur comedians. You've been paid you're now a pro comic, so you are unable to compete. Right. So you, like, uh-huh. your reason for getting in for revenge, you couldn't even, you couldn't do it. No. Well, <laughs> no, no, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, ultimately in the end. And the, the reality was that uh, once he, he, he didn't, win the Royal Comedy Quest um, mm-hmm. that year. And within six months, he wasn't able to write any material that was funny by himself either. So he quit. And I, last I heard, he was working as a paddy instructor in New Plymouth. Do you ever think about um, catching up? With who? That dude. No. What about if we did a f- podcast? Well, I have no interest. <laughs> tonight, tonight, I'm pleased to blow my well, mind. Tonight, Andre, I'm pleased to tell you we have Jeff. Yeah, joining us. Yeah, I'd like to tell my end of the story. Jeff, if yeah. you see this, I'd be keen to chat to you, bro. <laughs> I think this is kind of intriguing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but look, so, can yeah, I? As, and as, as a result of um, sort of getting into it and realizing that, okay, I've actually, I've, I've got a knack for this. Mm. I'll, I'll pursue it and I'll see how far we go. Um, it's, it's literally taken me around the world now. Um, so I've performed, I think, in 40 different countries around the world now. Um, and now I'm, uh, I'm back home and looking to head down to uh, Nelson at the end of the month and hopefully we'll set up a, a comedy circuit 
called Top of the South. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, what? And I saw something on social media, Andre. Um, is it like a, a quartet or something like that? The Howard Morrison Quartet, that mm-hmm. one. The yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, so, yes. so what? You are you going on tour? Yeah, yeah. Uh, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I'm like a bit like, whoa! You can sing too. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I I used to sing when I was a kid. Um, I I uh, used to sing country and western songs. Uh, was inv- quite heavily involved in the country music scene. Um, my father was uh, the lead guitarist for Patsy Rigger, who's currently over in Nashville, um, working over there. And uh, yeah, he heard me singing one night, and the next thing I know, I'm on stage and wearing silk cowboy shirts and hats with feathers in them and leather riding boots <laughs> yodeling away. They called me the yodeling half pint. Like a 10 gallon hat these times. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Can you still yodel? Uh, yes. And no, I'm not going to. Oh, Andre. <laughs> Andre, give me not, the skill. No, 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 not with this well, microphone. We, we haven't not, finished. Not with yet. these acoustics. Listen, listen. Okay, wait, let's go to a break and let's come back. It's become my mission in life now to hear a yodel. Um, Stay with us, team. Back with Andre in a sec. Something cool. What can I talk about that's something cool? Maybe this isn't cool, but it's just honest. It's so challenging sometimes to navigate the world. You know, one of the things that is a real challenge for me is when you hear me on the podcast or see me on the telly, on the Audiana TV channel, uh, a really good picture of me emerges, meaning like this version of myself that I'm really proud with, but that's not always the version that I see, that my family sees. And I guess one thing I'll just acknowledge in this small space is that's all of us, you know, we're all going through something, we're all trying to be a version of ourselves that, you know, <laughs> that makes it all work in the end, but uh, team, at the end of the day, we're all just us, right, and so it is about um, reminding ourselves that more likely than not, the the, the end version you see uh, with your favorite character or favorite person is, they also have a B side to them, right, which is Um, trying to work out something Uh, I take great hope in this idea that that it might seem more perfect but it's it's not you know we're all we're all just trying to make it work and we always have and we always will be trying to make it work so maybe that's the lesson here try to make it work because it's not that you're going to make it work it's that you're going to try the pursuit of trying which we need to tie ourselves to to get that reward from the brain we tried we tried we tried we failed but we tried <sighs> that was pretty deep but not as deep as getting back to this final segment with the very powerful andre king andre king you're so fascinating i've talked to you probably five six times every time we talk about something different uh is it actually weird, right? is, is it fun for you to have such a variety of experiences? I mean, what what is it that's driving this? 
I love it. You know, yeah. I uh, any any opportunity I have to do something that's just a little off center, mm. I, I'm going to give it a go. It's I'm I'm going to try it because who knows? Who knows where it'll lead? Who knows who's watching? Who knows what will happen as a result of that? You know, a, a lot of the time. You, you don't realize the life you've led until you look back on it. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's been so much weird stuff that I've, I've been involved in, but it's made for some great stories. I'm the only person I know who's ever punched a giraffe. <laughs> Keep going. What, give, give me some other Andre facts. Come on. Uh, let's, let's, let's bring them up. I once, uh, Got into uh, a the, into the middle of a of a turf war between Colombian drug lords and Hong Kong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't stop, please. Um, I was accidentally arrested in Thailand um, because uh, because of my driver's name. Uh, what was uh, the driver's name? Bumsuck. His name. His name was Bumsuck, and um, like it freaked me out the first time I met him because he's holding a placard at the airport with my name on it. And I went up to him and went, hey, man, I'm Andre. And he says, hello, sir, my name Bumsuck. And I said, I'm sorry, what? He says, my name Bumsuck. I went, your name's Bumsuck? He says, yes, my name Bumsuck. What's the problem with my name? I said, no problem. It's just a, just a hell of a verb. You know, hell, it's a bit of a doing word, isn't it, Bumsuck? He, he says, well, no. My my name. I'm very proud of my name. My father, his name Bumsuck. My grandfather, his father, his name Bumsuck. I come from a long line of Bumsuckers. So uh, you know, he said we all live together, same household. I said, really, you all live together? Doesn't it get confusing though if you're all named like what if what if somebody rings on the phone and says hello? I want to talk to Bumsuck. How do you know who they want to talk to? And he says, oh, very simple, sir. You'll see my grandfather, he is old Bumsuck. Uh, my father, he is big Bumsuck. And me, I am young Bumsuck. <laughs> so, of course, after, after the gig, I'd had a wee bit to drink and found myself wandering down Bangla Road, which is uh, the main red light district. I didn't know it was the red light district. And I'm just going up to every local I can find, just going, excuse me, have you seen Bumsuck? And, of course, these guys are standing outside clubs and brothels and stuff, and they just look at me. Uh, they don't know I'm looking for my driver. They just think I'm a pissed-up Westerner. So, of course, they're just looking at me going, Yes, sir. Plenty, plenty bumsuck just inside. Come on in. Come on in. So, of course, I go in. My driver's not in there. And I come back out again and go, no, no, no. I'm looking for young bumsuck. <laughs> and that's how you get arrested in Thailand. <laughs> oh, I can just about guarantee that tonight on Audiana TV, this has been the most interesting moment. You know, we've seen international Pacific Island films. We've seen, you know, documentaries and insightful conversations. And then we've had Andre King talking about young Bumsuck. Yeah. It is. There was another time in Rarotonga as well. Yeah. With, uh, with Tim Werner Morrison. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. No, 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 no. Yeah. Don't, don't stop there. Come on. Well, we'd gone out to uh, Coco Putt to to watch the local musicians perform because you know Tim he likes a bit of a bit of a sing song 
bit of a bit of a jam on the on the old guitar there, yeah, bit of a cunny cunny. So of course we we stroll on in. We sit down the back. We're listening to the tunes, and this this old Raro fisherman comes up. He clocks Tim. He comes up and he says, "Hey, bro, are you that fella from that movie?" And Tim looks up at him and goes, "Yeah, bro." And he says, "Oh, I liked you in that movie. Do you mind if I sit down?" And Tim's like, "Yes, yeah, sweet is, bro. Come and pull up a seat." So the guy sits down, and he orders a round of beers for us. And beers come over, and uh, he's wearing this Indian head T-shirt. And Tim leans forward and he says, "Oh, that's a nice shirt you got there, bro. That's a nice shirt. Where'd you get a shirt like that? Did you get it from the islands? If you got it from the islands, I might go and buy me a shirt like that myself." And the guy says, oh, "I actually got this over in over in Venice Beach." And Tim says, "Venice Beach? Oh, I've been to Venice Beach. Oh, the next time I'm in Venice Beach, I'll go and check it out." The next thing I know, this guy's gotten up from the table. He's gone to the bathroom. He's come back wearing a completely different shirt. And he's got the Indian head shirt wrapped up, and he hands it over to Tim, and he says, "There you go, bro. You, you can have that shirt." And Tim's like, "Oh, mate, I can't take your shirt, bro. I can't take your shirt. This is your shirt. You got it from Venice Beach." And the guy says, "No, no, no. I got twenty of them. Yeah, you, know, you can have that one." So Tim sort of unfurls and he has a look at the Indian head on it and turns it around. He says, "Dre." Great, look at this, bro. Look at this. This fella just gave me the shirt off his back. Just gave me the shirt off his back. That's a phrase, you know. Because Tim does this thing where he likes to repeat things. He says things twice, but slightly different, right? He says, yeah, just gave me the shirt off his back. He just gave me the shirt off his back. You know, that's a <laughs> phrase, right? And I went, yep, I'm familiar with the phrase, Tim. Familiar with the phrase. So, of course, we all then went back to listening to the music and watching the band. And I could see, I could see the the old fisherman there sitting at the table, and he's checking out Tim. And I could see him just thinking to himself, "Yeah, I'm going to be able to tell all of my mates that Tim Weta Morrison, the guy from that movie, is wearing the wearing my shirt." And I could see Tim sitting there admiring the shirt, going, "Yeah, I'm going to look pretty cool in this Indian head T-shirt." And I just sat there holding my beer. And I thought, "Ah, oh, well." So I leaned over the table and I said to the old fisherman, "I said, those are some nice shorts you got there, bro." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> next thing you know, really beer is being spat across the table. And people are laughing. It's good. Mm, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Andre King, um, I asked you at the beginning of the podcast, what is it that you do? I guess I'll rephrase that question. What is it that you're here to do? Mm, you know, I'm pushing 50 years old these days and I mm. still don't have any idea. Did you think so, you would? Did you think no. you would? Yeah. God, I hope not. Mm. I hope not. I, hope, I, I sincerely hope that I never develop a calling. Because mm. yeah. <laughs> if I did and it wasn't what I was currently doing, I'd be really upset. <laughs> that I'd, I'd wasted all these years mucking about with this other stuff when I should have been achieving and pursuing my calling. Mm. Uh, the uh, the reality is for me, I think, I, I mean, I do things that bring me joy. And one of the things that bring me joy is creating joy for others. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm, I've kind of got my fingers crossed 
that uh, that's that's going to be my calling. I don't know if it is. Um, and I, I've always looked at uh, at stand up uh, and comedy in particular as being a form of healing. Um, so I I just kind of I just really kind of happy doing that mm. right now. Um, but of course, with COVID hitting, it means it's more and more difficult for us to make a living uh, doing that, particularly when 90% of what I did was overseas. Uh, so not a lot of overseas travel, not a lot of overseas bookings right now, um, which has meant a slight sort of pivot into uh, singing with the Howard Morrison Quartet. I love it that you can pivot. I think that's one thing that I really want myself to be listening harder and and to everyone else is that, you know, I don't like that COVID made us all so vulnerable. And I mean that health-wise and, you know, job-wise and everything. It it picked on the more rigid you were, it picked on you. And I just love the fact that the, you know, I set up my podcast the day after lockdown in in the garage and, you know, everyone was like, how'd you how'd you move on that so quick? I'm like, well, I've been doing it for free for years. Mm. I'll just do it for free from here. <laughs> In fact, it's cheaper because mm. I don't have to go out now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it was really Saves interesting. Yeah, exactly. And, and I just think there's something about what you, what you do. And I, I try not to ever put my finger on exactly it, but it is just the idea that the world needs an Andre King to keep exploring, to keep pushing, and then, and then to report oh, back man. in to tell us. It's, I'm, I'm not even nearly that important. Well, you are to me, <laughs> and so I'm going to edit that out of you saying that because <laughs> lots of people don't think they're important, but it's the it's the narrative and the and the bravery that I pick up on to try it. Even in, you know, why did why do you give up a five million dollar business, right? And why do you pursue a career that's the harder than anything? And, and it wasn't. It wasn't for me the business in the end. I, right. I'd, I'd spent ten years doing it, and uh, I, I wasn't happy. Hmm. I mean, the the only thing that has really driven me has been do what makes you happy. And uh, you know, working as a private investigator, doing undercover work. Um, having access to pools of information that aren't generally accessible by the general public. It's all very cool. You know? It sounds cool. Sounds like a cool job. Yeah, people were mightily impressed when, whenever you said, oh, I'm a private investigator. They're like, really? It's like, yeah, because how often do you get to meet a private investigator? Uh, not that often. Um, and half the time when you do meet them, they're working, so they can't even tell you what they do for a living. Um, but it, it just didn't make me happy. Uh, performing stand-up makes me happy. Uh, working with the Howard Morrison Quartet, it makes me happy. Um, working as a magician, that made me happy at that point in time. Working on cruise ships, uh, that didn't particularly make me happy, but the the pay, the, the, the pay packets did make me very happy. Um, and I think ultimately what it comes down to is... If I can, if I can offer one piece of advice to, to the listeners out there, it's uh, take stock of your life. Whatever it is that you're doing right now, right this very moment, whether it's job, whether it's relationship, uh, if it does not bring you joy, 
And if you are not incorporating your joy into that which you do, get out and mm-hmm. find something else. Now, as far as relationships goes, that goes for relationships as well. If you're miserable in your relationship, how miserable is your partner? And if you truly care about your partner, then do the right thing. Get out and allow your partner the opportunity to find someone who they can love with everything that they've got. And it also allows you the opportunity to find someone that you can love with everything you've got. And if there are kids involved, then what you end up doing is providing two stable homes with two sets of loving parents rather than one toxic sort of environment to raise your kids in. If it's your work, then find joy in what you do. And if you cannot find joy in what you do, then just go and do whatever else it is. Is it going to be hard? Absolutely. Is it going to be worth it? Absolutely. I love talking to you. I've told you this before and I'll tell you it again. Um, yeah, you're just a pretty special person to me because you, I don't know, you just seem to pop up every now and then. So I thank you, bro, for for taking time to talk to me again and, and talking to us. It's special that I get to bring these people I've met in my life to this Audiana TV audience, you know, guaranteed. No one rolls how we do. And you, you put up with my blabbering and trying to get to a point, then you nail it straight on its head and, and um Look, it's it's a it's an absolute pleasure. One of life's pleasures is talking, and you know, mucking around with imagination. But especially with you, because you got a way of uh, making everyone think, be a bit brutal on themselves, and then to just um, have a giggle about it and move on. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said a thousand times before by a thousand people far more eloquent than I. <laughs> Shakespeare even said, "This above all to thine own self be true." be true to yourself be true to others didn't it end with a yodel no no (laughs) if you want the yodel I I appreciate the the kind of the kind of turn that you made there that 180 into there was the setup and then it kind of went into the punchline there but it just kind of tailed off right at the, you lost confidence right at the very end there <laughs> don't treat me like a heckler okay Andre we're going to wrap it here uh, look you mentioned you need a good mic I've got one of those I'm going to come and bring a nice big camera and we're going to record that yodel and, come to uh, one of the shows man come to one oh, of the absolutely. shows you'll see us doing it there Okay, beautiful brother. Where can people follow you? Where can they follow uh, the journey, the quartet, everything else? Uh, so the uh, information on the quartet can be found through uh, Pacific Entertainments. Um, you can follow me with the name just there on the screen, uh, at Andre King Comedy. Um, or that one, that one there, or that one there. <laughs> Ooh. The, but, the double finger point. Yeah, but on my screen, there's nothing. Oh, really? There's and nothing? So you were just doing this. I'm just doing that? <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's beautiful, though. All right. Well, you'll have to put the graphics in and post. 
No, this is not how I do it. <laughs> okay, hold on. I'll give it one more go. Give us a bit of a yodel and I'll put the graphics on. Really? I mean, if it, if, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe that you're going to put the graphics on. <laughs> Look, I'll put the graphics on if you yodel. Put the graphics on. I'll yodel. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, an exclusive yodel from Andre King, and I will put the graphics on. Did you just wink? You winked. You winked when you said you will put the graphics no, on. No, I didn't. <laughs> there was a wink. Ladies and gentlemen. I saw a wink. I will put the graphics on if Andre King... Oh, come on. This is not good television. If I'm promising <laughs> you that I'll put the graphics on. I said I'll put the graphics on. All right. <laughs> There you go. Come and see the show. Yes, that's awesome. (laughs) All right, Mr. King. Thank you so much. We'll touch base another time soon, eh? All right, man. Sweet. I love you guys. Yeah. You guys are amazing. (laughs) Watch the show. (laughs) See you, brother. All right. Take it easy. everybody and welcome to Manava. Today I would like to invite you on a guided breathing journey together where we hold the information in our mind and we deliver the information back out. Let me explain. Manava is built on three key pillars. The breath influences the mind to rise up. This is not just a statement This is created as a mantra, the Manava Mantra. And when we say the breath helps the mind to rise up, this is 5.5 seconds or close enough. When we breathe this way, when we talk this way, when we breathe to a rate of 5.5 seconds, we tell the body to calm down. We tell the mind to calm down. We widen the blood vessels that promotes better blood flow. When we have better blood flow, we have better oxygen. And when we can get better oxygen to all of our body, beautiful things happen. Our field of vision widens. We are able to see the peripherals, to see the world around us. When we are in the opposite fight or flight, our field of vision is very, very small. We see things directly in front of us. So Manava breathing is a way for us to collectively widen our vision, come out of the cloud that we might be in, and see the next place to navigate towards. Today, I want us to follow the Manava mantra. The breath helps the mind to rise up. And we're going to do five minutes of breathing together whilst listening to some beautiful music. How we're going to do this is in your mind you're going to say the breath helps the mind to rise up and that will be on the inhale through your nose. The breath helps the mind to rise up and back out. The breath helps the mind to rise up. When you complete one cycle you count one on your hand. Okay, Count one on your hand. So as we go in again, the breath helps the mind to rise up 
Out your nose, the breath helps the mind to rise up. That's two. And when you get to five, that's one minute. So you switch hands and you come to this one to count and this one comes back. Do you know what I mean? So not only are we promoting better blood flow, but we're working with the brain. We're working on on memory. We're working on connection with our body. These are practical ways that manava breathing helps you. Manava breathing is not just kind of lofty, you know, breathing techniques. This is founded in science. This is founded in us. So we activate the core. We keep in touch with our mindset and our body. And collectively, when we come out the other side of 5.5 minutes, we reap the rewards. We've controlled the mind. We've told the body who's in charge. The brain will act accordingly and we can access the calm now one thing about calm that neurologists talk about is it's not equal so one minute of calm is not like one minute of panic when you access the calm everything slows down something comparable to bullet time maybe for those old enough to remember the matrix but this idea that you know when you access power calm, when you can when you can access calm in short doses during the day, this gives the brain time to process and to deliver on the request. This gives the mind, body and soul time to be outside of the crunch, the day to day. So let's begin our breathing. The breath helps the mind to rise up. That's our nasal in. We're counting on our finger every time we go in. And out, that's one cycle, count on one hand. Once you reach five, you switch and count on the other hand to represent one, two, three, four, five. That will be five minutes. Here we go.
Okay team, that's around five and a half minutes. Uh, thank you for sharing a beautiful moment with yourself and, and us together. And also, if you're still going, just keep going. I'll talk calmly. But if you've finished, we can repeat this as many times as necessary. I think the beauty of breathing with a mantra is that you are forcing a somewhat chaotic mind to calm down. One through the breathing practice of lower into the belly and slow nasal breathing but two because you are cognitively aware you have to keep the number system the memory and I believe this is powerful for the mind as well it gives the mind a task to to take away from the bigger tasks of life the ones that lean on us it gives us a controllable task that we can achieve I'd like to thank you for joining me on this Manava guided mantra breathing journey and wish you a wonderful day or evening wherever you are and I look forward to sharing another breath with you soon.